know, we discussed this a little bit about, you know, the transformation of public space. You know, can you create something that lasts for years that impacts someone's life? And that creates those moments where people, you know, remember forever. And you know what? They might not even know that I did that. And that's okay. That was Psych Style, and this is Guild Stories. Welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I am Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content. We are so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we will explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Welcome back to Guild Stories. Uh, Today, we're joined by Phil Schaefer. AKA Psych Style. Yo. Um, channeling his creative energy in many ways. For almost 20 years, he has run his successful art business, um, Psych Style Industries, which uh, is well known in this in these neck of the woods. Um, after graduating from the Casey Art Institute in photography, his creative practice now includes fine art paintings, 2D design, and print graphics. His love of street art and graffiti has led him to community and corporate projects as a muralist. Murals allow Schaefer to transform bland or vandalized surfaces with colorful, positive, and uplifting imagery that inspires dialogue and photo-worthy moments. Uh, When working with clients, Schaefer is able to blend his style with brand standards and create welcome and vibrant artwork for offices, living spaces, and school alike. In 2017, Schaefer was awarded the KC Urban Hero Award, an Arts KC Inspiration Grant, in conjunction with an international mural project in Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, Schaefer hopes to continue expanding his style, brand, and art to wishlist projects and international clients. Holy smokes, man. It's uh, it's long overdue. We've, I've been trying to get on your schedule for a long time, man, and I'm so pumped that you're here with us, man. I'm glad you're persistent, and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Uh, politely persistent, right? Yes. It's like, hey, man, how about now? How about next week? How about in a month? How about next year, dude? Like, let's just um, get on your schedule. So I know you're a busy dude. So thanks for making time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate making a trip out and doing something a little out of not. It's not out of the ordinary, but just it's a pace changer, which is good, and I appreciate that. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, as we've gotten to know each other a little bit, we we got connected. Um, in a few different ways, a, a mutual friend, Brandon Kelly, who, who designs websites and has done some work with us, connected us. Um, so shout out to Brandon and then also our buddy, Matt Johnson at Community America. Um, but, but like most things in Kansas City, there's a couple strings you pull and all of a sudden the thing starts to come together. So, oh, yeah. um, so man, for those that don't know, which is probably not many, but for those that don't know, um, what are you up to? What do you do? What's a day look like for you? And, and maybe if you're open to it, wind us all the way back to the beginning. Like, where'd you grow up? What's your story? Man? Oh, yeah. So these days, it's pretty much, you know, chaos when it comes to client work, paperwork. Yeah. Um, I'm at the point now where my art practice has become running a small business. Yeah. And so yeah. here I am being like, how do you run a small business? Be creative, you know, take care of all the things and, uh, you know, stay sane doing it all. Yeah. Um, right. Absolutely blessed to have a great team. My girlfriend, Holly Hayden, she's my executive director, mm. and she's been my rock through this whole process. And, you know, I owe her so many vacations to the <laughs> Caribbean. To Kingston. Yeah, back to Kingston, <laughs> to to Marrakesh, to Monaco, you name it. So um, it, it's going to pay off. But, yeah, it's been, it's been wild. And uh-huh. it really started just with, you know, a young kid in Brooklyn mm. that was – 
born to two urban missionaries huh. who were not from New York and just huh. decided to say, you know, hey, we need to change the pace from the West Coast and the Midwest, um, and let's go start a family, you know, in Brooklyn. Wow. You know, East New York, you know, Flatbush. Wow. And I don't talk about this as much now huh. because it was, you know, the, the optic was to some people, oh, Brooklyn-born artist, you know, in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I moved to Kansas City in 89. Mm. So mm. the idea that it's Brooklyn artist is not a thing. Like, you know, Brooklyn raised me, Casey made me. That's mm. that's what it is. And so I'm, you know, a Casey kid for sure. I used to come here on summer vacations. Why Casey? Family? Was there family here or something? Great question. Huh. So, yeah, my grandfather, Curtis Holland, yeah, he was stationed at Richards Gebauer Air Force Base. No way. Okay. Yes. And so this, what, this is where the family settled. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I used to come here on summer vacations to visit my grandparents. Huh. And so my grandparents on my mother's side lived here. And then the West Coast is where my father's side family lived. Got and it, so got it. we were very disconnected from, you know, our actual blood family because we lived on a whole different coast. And so sure. we would reconnect when we moved, when we came and visited yeah. uh, <clears throat> here in, in KC. And then one year we just didn't go back home. Huh. So it was like the summer of 89 or something and. I still have that shirt from the Sedalia State Fair from that year. You know, <laughs> I was awesome. like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Uh, yeah, so coming to Kansas City is like, you know, relocating as a child like that, it, it, it's, a, it's a trip, but you adapt really well. So, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, I sounded different. You know, people thought I spoke really proper. I spoke, I don't know what, the King of Brooklyn's English, you know, <laughs> whatever awesome. that was. Yep. You know, but you have, you know, a 10, 11 year old who has a New York accent in the middle of Grandview. That's got to sound crazy to most people, you know, Uh, you know, so that, you know, the Brooklyn angle really did influence so much of who I am as an artist and a person, you know, kind of the hip hop style that I still am, you know, very much like a backpack kid in the the 90s, you know, in the hallway, the hip hop locker crew was a thing and then growing through that with you know hip-hop and graffiti through college um was my angle through photography and design Mm. you know music covers flyers merchandise you know what were some of those projects like what did you work on you know i was very involved in the underground hip-hop scene okay in kansas city and not so much anymore because i've kind of grown out of it and other things and you know the, the the generations, they come and they recycle stuff. So recycled is a good word to talk about where I work, was recycled sounds. So shout out to Ann Winter, um, you know, may her soul rest in peace. But that was kind of the hub for Midtown kind yeah. of music, sure. you know. And uh, working there in the early 2000s was great because, you know, I would answer the phone and talk to people, and there was a little car company called Scion that says, hey, would you like to – put on shows every month. I'm like, sure. What are you going to do? Oh, we're going to send you some money every month and, you know, some CDs to give out. Okay, great. I'm in. Right. Yeah. So had I promoted a show? Nah, not really. <laughs> had I, like, you know, done anything like this? Nah, not really. Was I learning how to DJ? Yes. So I was like, okay, great. I'm a, I'm a budding DJ. I know how to, you know, collect records because I've been working at this record store. Yeah. I've been, you know, doing these small kind of shows with my friends, you know, the Guild was called, Human Crop Circles, Sess Crew. Sess Crew's still at it now, Signing Strange Music. Um, Just a bunch of local rap scene guys, you know, I've come up with, you know, Approach, Mac Lethal, uh, Soul Servers. I mean, I could go down the list of it, you know. That's awesome. 
Um, sounds good. Shout out to Miles Bonnie and Joe Good, definitely. You know, Jock Max and Heat Mob, like all of these these people, Flavor Pack crew was this like really tight knit, yeah. you know, scene that, you know, we just kind of did our hip hop thing and we were booking shows. We were trading shows with other acts from different cities like Chicago and Minneapolis and Milwaukee, definitely Milwaukee. We had a good connection with them huh. and we just kind of made our way. And that way, you know, we would travel, we would go to this event called Scribble Jam. We would, you know, go see graffiti in different places. We go to shows. And so it's just a little group of friends just kind of ran around and did all of this kind of hip hop stuff. And it would, took us to Warp Tour every now and then and, you know, just different events. And we just kind of made it up as we went along and it just became our thing. You know, we would throw really awesome um, rap battles at the record bar when it was in Westport. Oh, yeah. Um, and those were, they were super fun. I used to do all ages shows at the El Torion that were sponsored by Scion. And so it was like I was paying, you know, people 150 bucks to perform for a half an hour. Like, this is what I got, you know, and then charging a few dollars at the door. And then I never lost any money, but That's I was awesome. I was not on a huge budget. But yeah, it was just yeah, like, yeah. you know, here's scrappy made it work. Yeah. yeah. And that type of um I don't know, that type of scene was fun for me, you know, and it's still cause kind of based on the in-store of recycled sounds, because recycled sounds would bring in when they could, you know, really big name artists. So the executioners played there with their four turntables set up. Um, another underground group, the people under the stairs played there. I'm trying to, I'm blanking on some of the other ones. Mixmaster Mike, I think stopped okay. by when he was on tour with Beastie Boys. Crazy. So if anybody saw Beastie Boys with Tribe Called Quest and Mixmaster Mike at Kemper Arena, then I was there too. So that's sweet. Somebody was there, but that whole, you know, hip hop scene was very near and dear to me. And you know, I was the visual side of that. So I was producing the t-shirts for these groups you know, I was producing some of the album covers as well. And then I was running the merch tables. And the merch tables awesome. is when I was like, well, you know, it's great to sell the Sess Crew merch, but you know, what if I sold some Psych Style merch? What's Psych Style come from? Like, where's the name come from? Oh, it comes from Brooklyn, because that's what we used to say. You know, hell, there goes your mom, son. Psych. You know, like, <laughs> it, it was, it really is that simple. That That's great. You need something that reminds you of yourself to use as your name. Plus, in the 90s, we were all coming up with our different, like, four-letter, like, graffiti names. Huh. So there is, you know, meat or pure, and somehow I was psych, you know. It's great. And it's, you know, fun thing to say. I'm still working on the, the meaning of it. Like, is it like surface improvement, knowledge everlasting? I, I don't know. You I know, like that. I don't yeah, know yeah, where yeah. it yeah. goes for you. You'd be supposed to still help me with that. But the, yeah, the name grew from just, like, um, graffiti name. Now, what's graffiti to me? Well, I was a propaganda graffiti writer. I never wrote on trains. I never tagged like giant buildings. My graffiti was posters, it was signs. It was graphic design for the streets. Mm. It was my own type of phenomenology and like, where did this sticker come from? Who is this guy? What is this site kid doing? That's cool. You know, and that was, you know, part of that whole era, you know, from the late nineties to the mid two thousands, you know, and it kind of, kind of shifted, but it grew out of that. And it was definitely a crossover between the local art scene huh. and the hip hop scene. Cause all of these scenes that combined, you'd see punk kids and skaters, they would all come to hip hop shows, you know, and then every now and then they would cross over to different, you know, avenues and you'd see them at gallery openings or we would throw our own like parties at gallery openings too. So it was a very much a synergy of that yeah. arts and culture. Cause hip hop isn't just, you know, rapping it includes the visual, so the graffiti, and the, you know, uh, the drawing and all, all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I was very much involved in all of that. And that's kind of where I cut my teeth in kind of product design, 
branding, merchandising, was the merch table light. That's awesome, yeah. man. That's awesome. Um, man, uh, yeah, I mean, so many questions, but it's like, what, what, you, you, you brilliantly kind of put us back, back there. How did you start to evolve into this, like, business-minded, opportunistic, hey, there's, there's a, there's a thing here that I can create and not have this, like, starving artist mentality or this kind of victim. Um, well, if you don't start off with that mentality, you never have it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I've never looked at what I did as an impairment. Like, oh, no, you're going to be an artist. Sorry. You know, my family is very supportive of what I did, yeah. what I do. My mother knew I'd be an artist by the time I was four. And they understood that and they nurtured that. So if you nurture that kind of creativity and that exploration, you don't grow up thinking it's a bad thing to be who you are. Yeah. Ever. So I never looked at it like, oh, man, how am I going to make it as an artist? I was like, let's do this. Yeah. And so creative people are going to figure out how to make a living, whether it's through visual art, whether it's through creative, um, creative entrepreneurship, as they say. <laughs> right. Um, I'm not rolling my eyes at that at all. But no, no, no. Um, yeah, just the understanding that, you know, your creativity is the product. And whatever it is you're doing, you know, it could be monetized and, you know, you run a business off of it. So the mentality of that, you know, man, I'm in college. At the Art Institute. At the Art yeah, Institute. Yeah, yeah. It's competitive. Yeah. It's expensive. Yeah. There's a lot of kids who are going to come out of that school with a yeah. skill that may not pay that bill. That's right. That's right. Now, you can go on to be an amazing, like, you know, sculptor and an installation artist and a musician that, you know, travels the world. You know, but you really got to be like the best of the best, you know, or if you're a pretty good photographer and you know some Photoshop and you got some friends that do cool stuff, you could piece together. Cobble it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. figure it out. You yeah, could yeah. piece together a pretty good thing. And you got a support of an amazing like scene. Like the, I feel yes. like Kansas City's art scene is one, one of the reasons I credit to my success because of the network of people and support and opportunities. I mean, there's two phone calls away, anything you need. That's right. You know, and so early on when it was, you know, the Charlotte Street Foundation saying, hey, we'd love you for you to curate a show, you know. And I'm like, well, hey, can we take over this 8,000 square foot warehouse, do like a graffiti jam, have like B-boys set up, merch tables, like showing artwork. And so a hip hop and culture kind of explosion. And this is where the corner of 12th and Walnut. And, you know, it's a publishing house now, but it was just an empty space. And just to say, hey, they, here's an opportunity to transform this space. And that was 2005. Dang. It's not that long ago, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right, like in the context of it. No, no. It, but that's an entire different era in art in this city, right? It, like 05 on 12th and Walnut is totally different than. No, that's pre-T-Mobile Center. I'm still getting used to saying that. I know, me too. Um, Anyway, so the... You know, the connections are a huge part of that. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, and having one foot in the art scene, one foot in the hip-hop scene, and, you know, then kind of do the little hopscotch thing where it's on the foot in the business scene and yeah. back into the architecture world and, you know, developer world, however it goes now. Yeah. You know, just staying kind of adaptable and mobile to all that stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. How did, um, how did the, you know, post-Art Institute, you know, enterprise start growing the psych style enterprise like what what were some of those early 
either projects, commission pieces. I mean, you mentioned the show. The um, wh- wh- how did how did you start to uh, maybe a better way to ask the question would be when did you kind of know like oh man I'm onto something here or or did you just kind of continue to walk the path and the thing evolved into what it is today? Yeah, it's just a constant. Rolling, you know, ball of style. I, I, I think there, there is a real um, constant rolling ball of style. I yeah. love that. I love that. It's off the dome here. We're just freestyling. <laughs> 2012 is when something really clicked. Okay. But I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be there unless yeah. I backed up to yeah. a very smart decision, which did not quit my day job. Mm-hmm. Which know? was what? <laughs> right. I worked as a graphic designer for a research lab at KU Med Center. So oh. I illustrated I didn't know that. neurons and axons, and um, I did PowerPoint posters, and I scanned in slides of infant endoscopy. You know, it's like, yes. I had no know, idea. Yeah. 17 years. You I, were there 17 years? Yes. And those 17 years, it basically gave me the freedom mm-hmm to do my artwork without worrying about making money off of my artwork. Because I had a day job, you know? It wasn't like the highest paying day job, but it covered my mortgage, yep. my health insurance, yep. and it allowed me to pay off debt once I started actually making money on art. Yeah. And imagine that, like, not having that pressure to say, oh man, I gotta sell this painting. Well, I did need to sell this painting. Yeah. But if it didn't, I still got a day job. Yeah. You know, and to it not. It wasn't this desperate. It was a constant hustle. Don't sure, get me course, wrong. Of course. But the mindset is not, oh my gosh, I have like this desperate, fearful, kind of clingy mentality versus like, dude, I created this thing and it's the value is yeah. there. So um, a big jump that I tried to make, um, and people talk about, you know, what are your failures and all this stuff. And I don't like to talk about like, huh. oh, I completely failed. It's just like, ah didn't work out the way I planned it. Yeah. It wasn't a failure. Learned and did something different. Yeah. So I was going to launch a clothing line probably 10 years before clothing lines in this city took off. Yeah. It's called Psychonomic Clothing. It was based on streetwear at the time. I'm talking big, bold colors, big phrases, big sayings. Did you design that shirt you're wearing? That's kick-ass. I want one. Um. And it was very much of that the trend that was happening. You know, you had a lot of big, bold colors and all over yeah. prints. And we're talking in 2006, 7, 8. Um, and so in 08, I went to Magic, which if you know what that is for clothing designers. And I had a booth and I sold three accounts. New York, Milwaukee, and Tokyo. Okay. <laughs> Great. That wasn't going to cut it. And then the economy crashed. People didn't want to buy my T-shirts. People didn't want to buy designs. You know, we went. People went from selling like print media ads for three thousand dollars to scrounging to begging for people to yeah yeah, yeah. to two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Like the drop yeah. for visual oh, communicators dude. was so severe in 08, 09, 10. Huh. I didn't think about it that way. Huh? Yes, makes and, sense. Makes total sense. And we learned a lot from that. And so here we are in, I guess, the next of these so-called recessions. And we understand, like, what we're looking at. And we're like, ah, we see something coming. We see what's connected now. Um, but having the day job being my support system, you know, and it was still a creative yeah. job. And yeah. So I could own that job. And I owned it by saying, hey, um, it looks like I could do this job in four days. 
rather than five. Mm-hmm. Check it out. I'm going to work Monday through Thursday, get everything done. Fridays will be my art day. And they knew they hired an artist. So they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they want to keep you happy you and let you be free. And yeah, Do your art thing. What, what happened that took me over the edge was I would be on my way back from Arkansas doing an art project down there and get a call that says so-and-so needs this poster printed now. And no one else in that lab could do what I did. And I was like, oh, man, this is a bad sign. Mm. You know? Mm. Um, so mm. back to the T-shirt thing, it kind of hit a point where I couldn't sustain doing that. Um, my DJ career was kind of paying for the T-shirt thing. Okay, yeah. Because, yeah, people are not buying shirts, but they're still drinking. Yeah. So what do you do? Well, you start DJing. I become a sushi lounge DJ. And, you know, I uh, plug in Serato, get my turntables out. You know, I went digital from the analog kind of DJ stuff I was doing. And for a few years, you know, I was DJ Sykes D's. So I was rocking parties at... Firefly, doing, you know, the, the sushi lounge DJ yeah. thing at Nara for yeah. no, you know, so a couple great. of years. Yeah. And yeah, I enjoyed it, but it had its own life because, sure. you know. So, but what I still was, I still had the same day job. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, that doesn't work. You fall back, you focus on your work. Um, and then in 2012, I was like, you know, let's get out of the studio. Um, let's get out of the computer. Let's go back into the world and get my hands dirty again mm. you know there's also a curator a gallery owner in in las vegas that i wanted to be in a show there she liked my work but she said you know this needs to be hand painted i don't i don't want these prints these digital things can you hand paint this and i was like oh yeah i could i could try that so she kind of encouraged me to like cool take graphic design and hand paint it and see how that works i mean you see this done all the time now mm. but this is like 2012 you know, and so for me, this was kind of a new thing. And I was like, all right, I tried it out. So I also tried it out by painting a mural in my own neighborhood. So I lived in the Volcker neighborhood and yeah. I would walk down the street by 39th and Bell. It's a tiny retaining wall, about 22 inches tall, 40 feet long. And I just asked the local CID, do you mind if I paint this? And they're like, I don't care. <laughs> so no one wants responsibility for a wall unless they have to like paint it or they own it, you know? So if there's graffiti on it, oh, that's not my wall. I don't. Oh, there's a mural on it? Oh, that's my wall. <laughs> yeah, right. That was my idea, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, so it's right. a, t- it's a right, t- right, right. I paint a tiny mural over Labor Day weekend. What's it, on it? Oh, there's an angry zebra on it. There's a Missouri State shape. There's a, a cassette tape. There's a guy in a gas mask. There's a, an Indian chief, you know. That's awesome. It's really, really random. And it's just me experimenting. Yeah. Like, all right, I got these stencils. How does this work? How does that work? You know, and it's faded and looks like it's part of the neighborhood now, which it, it's cool. You know, I painted close to where one of Scribe's original murals was. Huh. He painted this back in 94, maybe. I don't Dang. know. And it was crumbling off the wall. And I was like, oh, man, let me put something over here. Kind of this is in the zone to look nice. And he's since repainted that wall, which looks awesome now, too. But that tiny mural that I just kind of randomly said, hey, can I do this? It, it snowballed into whatever this thing is that I am now, yeah. that yeah. I'm fighting the control. You know, I got a, a call. I saw a call to artist. Design your own traffic box in St. Joseph, Missouri. So I applied, and I wanted to use 
this design, the future ain't what it used to be. And this is around the election time. So this is a great time to talk yeah. about the future, yeah. what your expectations would be. Yeah. Um, and I use my, you know, design, hand-painted skills to create this, you know, kind of faux ballot box on the, on the awesome. corner there, you know. And that was fun. And then a couple months later, the middle of the map fest was happening. And my friend John Rowe, which I still work with now, says, oh, you paint murals, right? Yeah. Let's go do this job in Westport. Boom. That turns into four different ones. And then all of a sudden, it's like it goes from there. So I didn't come at the mural world fresh as like, who is this kid? I came out of it like, well, it's like you've been a professional artist. Yeah. I guess you're just doing murals now. So it wasn't a big jump for me to just, you know, kind of impress. It wasn't a big jump for me to be like, no, no, no. Actually, I can paint a mural. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, we've seen you do other stuff. I'm pretty sure you could do that. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so then, man, you just start watching YouTube videos. You start digging online. You start researching. You start going back to your books and you figure out what's my style? How do you put graphic design on walls and make it work? And then, oh, by the way, you know, it gets really popular one day. Brands really want it. And then there's, you know, social media and there's people who hunt murals and people do mural tours. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, it's exploded. So that's awesome, man. Um, you, you, you said a phrase that I'd love to have you clarify or, or expand on, um, 2020, almost 2021 version of psych style, you're fighting to control. What's that mean? You, mm. you, you said you're fighting to control it. What, what does that look like? Yeah. If you don't control your brand, your brand can run away mm. with or without you, you know, mm. and you know, I call Holly head of security for a couple of reasons because she's That's, funny. <laughs> That's good. She's head of procurement and security. <clears throat> and she encourages me to secure the brand. Like, what are we doing? What are we talking about? Who are we collaborating with? And what are our, you know, moves when we're not, you know, working on a project that's, you know, for a specific thing? How are we expanding our thing? And so if you're not conscious of that, yeah. kind of the moves you're making, the brand could get away with you and you could just fall into a thing that people associate with you and you didn't necessarily want to be there. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I didn't expect to become, Oh, you're the guy that paints KC's everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, man, I am. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. I didn't know if I wanted that. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. We're really excited for you to come and do some work for us. And we'd love for you to paint a skyline. It's like, there's gotta be something else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look out your window. Yeah. There it is. Skyline. Do I still paint skylines? Yeah, I do. I'm not going to lie, you know, but do I paint one every, you know, chance I get? No. Yeah. But I understand that sometimes it's client work. You got to let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting to control it means like, I guess pacing yourself, mm. which I don't know anything about. Yeah. I was still. Like, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and these are all theories. Yeah. That are yeah. somewhat in practice, but things you want to aspire to is, you know, controlling your own workload. Mm your mm. destination projects mm. and willing things into being that you want to see happen. Mm. You start having some, gosh, man, maybe power a little bit or some leverage. You might be able to dictate a few things that happen around town or mm. at least in your visual world. Mm. And that kind of power is important to kind of realize and utilize when you can. Mm. And that's, that's what I think about. And so fighting to control that brand is not letting it get away from you and also controlling its destiny. Yeah. Well said, man. I love that. Um, from, from 12 to 20, 
almost 21. What, what, you know, if, if there was like a, the Cliff's Notes big break project, right? Like what, what were some of those projects that put you on the, the mural map, so to speak? Yeah. Well, let's talk about what put Kansas City on the map. Yeah. We know, we leave here, we understand, we love this place. The country didn't have a love affair with us. They might hate us now. I don't know, because we're winning stuff. But the All-Star Game. Yeah, absolutely. 2012. Yep. Kansas City said, you know what? We got to put on a show for the rest of the country, for the rest of the world who's going to watch this game. We got to be the best hosts that we know we are, but people don't understand it. So the city spent a lot of money on graphics on the street. They were telling other businesses, especially in the Midtown area, hey, you got to paint over your graffiti. We're going to fine you. So a friend of mine, you know, Lee Burgess, he said, you know, hey, let's go to these businesses. Say, don't pay the city, pay the artist. Yeah, right. We'll paint some murals over your building. And that's what I call like the second wave of what Art Alley was in the crossroads in that Mm -hmm. area there. That's what kind of kicked that off. I mean, it, Art Alley was a little thing by the Slap and Tickle Gallery, but boom, it exploded. Mm. Um, that was one thing that kind of helped familiarize Kansas City with murals and visual like graffiti, and like, oh, it's cool, mm-hmm. you know? And also the city was loving itself. Yep. And they wanted to show off kind of what they were doing, you know, and how they were loving it. So, yes, um, sports kicked off my art career big time. And also my connections with the, um, like the arts community. So, you know, when people ask, hey, who do you know that could paint a mural for the Royals? Oh, yeah, talk to Syke. Yeah. So in 15, we did a mural in the, the shared area beneath the stadium for the employees. Oh, cool. And it was a piece that celebrated that run to the World Series, yeah. and it talked about, you know, just – I mean, it was really just a bunch of graphics and said, you know, Royals. Um, and it's just a hallway piece. Yeah. Of course, I came back and I changed the logo to the World Champions logo the next year. Um, but their neighbors, the Chiefs, mm-hmm. saw that. And I'm like, ooh. That's cool. How could we get yeah. something like that? And that relationship took a while to grow. Mm. But now it's like they're one of the top collaborators with me. Mm. Um, but the Royals doing... Gosh, seven or, yeah, six or seven murals in 17, you know, with a lot of other artists. That was huge for me. Um, and it allowed me to have a big yeah. you know, kind of say and say, yeah, royals. And people are like, oh, you know, you yeah. could say, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I painted this yeah. this cool thing on the, the side. skyline. Of, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, people did see the side of that building, but they might not associate me with it. Yeah. And they still yeah. might not associate me with yeah. some of my work. Sure. Because, you know, it's still mystery. Like a mural yeah. just appears to some yeah. people. So I I get it. Um, But, yeah, the sports thing really helped me out with getting some notoriety. Um, Urban Youth Academy, Casey Urban Youth Academy, once again connected to the Royals, um, to the community there, um, Parks Department. And, man, that was a long process, and it really took a lot of me saying, all right, you got to design this thing so it tells all the stories about baseball, Kansas City, you know, my own personal story. So listening to Bob Kendrick and Frank White tell me stories about mm. Satchel Page. you know, that's why Satchel Page in that mural, he's wearing a suit, not a baseball uniform, mm. because you want to respect the man of the community, mm. not just the player. Mm. So it matters who you that's are awesome, man. off the field, not just who you are on the field. So given the opportunity. Satchel had this, like, uh, 
awesome, crazy life beyond baseball yeah. around like vision and entrepreneurship. And he, he, he was his own version of a hustler. Like he, yeah, he created and did stuff, man. Yeah, like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, you know, now that I'm kind of talking it out, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, the sports had a huge part of it. Yeah, and, you sure. know, at this time, I'm not much, I mean, I'm doing some gallery shows, but I'm not doing a ton of them, and I'm not doing this. I really am kind of focusing on the more public, you know, artwork. Um, in 2014, working with the uh, the Art in the Loop Foundation, huh. they allowed me to paint a giant angry zebra on the side of the Bonfields building. What's the zebra thing? So, you know, my mother is black. My father is white. Okay. Some people call themselves gray. I call them myself striped. So that's where the zebra comes from. It's your spirit animal. The angry zebra at the time was, you know, it just represented the struggles of, you know, mixed youth, biracial wow. youth, people who have one, two things that they're made of. They're not just one thing. They have a conflict. Sometimes it's a conflict. Sometimes yeah. it's more of just like, you know, how do I deal with being not yeah. just one thing? Yeah. Wow. That's cool, man. Um, and so to be able to make an expression like that that's really abstract so it's a 50 foot zebra chess piece with a bloody stripe along the side of it Mm. what the heck is that well i mean the stripes represent my parents Mm. the chess piece represents the moves we make in society as creative people you know we don't just move in straight or diagonal lines we're kind of l-shaped you know the blood is for the struggle Mm. that you know we, we go through either as people that are seem different or we feel different um, and then we stand tall still and survive through it. Damn, dude. And that piece, you know, people still mention it. And it's been painted over by Alexander Austin with a Royals mural. So once again, sports back. Yeah. So Alexander Austin, definitely one of my early mentors in high school. I helped him paint um, part of the construction fence in front of the, the knee release museum. So okay. seeing him paint over that angry zebra, I understood. But you understand that. The temporary thing. So for the Art and the Loop Foundation to kind of say, you know, hey, yeah, we're going to go big and we're going to figure this out together. Let's paint this, um, you know, giant angry zebra. And so fast forward a couple years later, uh, my guys from Evolution Sign and Mural, we team up to do Angry Zebra 2. And he's not so angry. And he's less called, angry. Yeah, less angry. He's fat and happy and he's running. So he grew legs. Huh. You know, so he's no longer this austere chess piece staring down at the Power and Light District. He's this, you know, colorful action, you know, character that's movement. very much right forward. He's moving, you know, and that came about kind of when I was realizing, okay, you know, things are going well in the business yeah. and I'm allowed to create and let's kind of show that yeah. in this piece. So when, you know, the Anger Zebra grew legs, ran across town, and now it sits on uh, Southwest Trafficway. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and like, it's it's damn inspirational, dude. Like the the that, that's what's beautiful. I, I'm I, I'm an artist in my own way in terms of writing words, um, but in the visual art, like to hear, you know, a good buddy of mine does tons of logo and brand identity work, and there's always this like bit and piece of him in every project he does, mm. even if it's super subtle. And like a little gap or a little bit of a tilt or some little thing that the brand probably doesn't even know. But he's like, no, that's my, that's my signature. Oh, yeah. And like to, to hear you talk about, because you mentioned the zebra in the 22-inch high Volker neighborhood yes. mural. Then you came back to it, and I was like, something's, what's up with the zebra? And to hear you, like that's, that's a, a powerful story, dude. And I'm Thank you. Yeah, really I, grateful to, to know it. 
it hasn't shown up in any corporate jobs because it's not where it needs to be. Huh. So the you know there's not a zebra you know up to bat you know <laughs> anywhere. Um, but when people commission like we need a thing, and we'd love to have this colorful mural doing something not offensive somewhere, <laughs> you know, then, you know, I think that's where the, the opportunity to put the zebra on that, on that building and, you know, on Southwest came from, you know, how has your perspective changed or evolved from psych doing psych, doing the work, psych, creating the work, mm-hmm. finding the work, doing the work to, you being the entry point and the and, and maybe the 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 creative director, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Yeah, because now I know you've got like a crew that does lots of the installation, lots of the actual mm-hmm. painting on the on the thing. Once it's ready for that wall or that space or that yeah. canvas, um, you, you you've taken off a couple of those hats maybe along the way so that you can I don't know, man. Like maybe so you can fly higher, so you can yeah. expand your reach and influence like what what's the what's the motivation behind that uh man sanity (laughs) (laughs) but no i'm very hands-on still and i don't think that i'd ever run my business without my hand in the final product Mm -hmm. somewhere Mm -hmm. now i have expanded to do more graphic installations Mm -hmm. so that i don't actually have to physically paint all the things, but it's still me on the computer designing those. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's only one way you could do three murals in a week, mm-hmm. and that's by having two other companies go install the other two for you, mm-hmm. you know? I do have a small crew that helps me out, you know, and, man, I wouldn't be anywhere without them because literally we'll have one team member painting and we'll just leave her there and it's like, all right, here's uh, all the gray, here's your tape, and just start at floor nine and go down to two, and I'll be back in a few hours. <laughs> and, and then Holly and I will go maybe on like, you know, a site visit, we'll answer five emails and have three conference calls, and then we'll come back and like, oh, great. All right, here's the purple. <laughs> start yeah. on the floor and you yeah. go to, you know, so we're lucky to have a few team members that really help us out, but for the most part, it's, you know, we're still very hands-on. Yeah. Like, we trace out the entire, you know, thing and come back and then point our fingers. So we're not as hands-off yet as we could be, and we don't want to be. Sure. Um, but we've expanded to think of ourselves, you know, more as a design agency that specializes in murals Love it. than just, you know, an artist who is looking for a commission. I think our experience has shown that we, and I say we because Holly and I are really yeah, intricate in yeah, this, yeah. you know, her, her experience as well. Like we understand, you know, brand strategies and marketing. We don't do the marketing, but we create the tools for the marketing. So we need a great photo op. Well, yeah, here's a mural. Now, how do we get people to stand in front of it? Eh, well, it's, it's got to hit. I can't, <laughs> right. you know, it's, That's right. it's got to be in the right location. You know? yeah. It's yeah. got to be, it's, there's a lot of formulas to it. I can't magically make people take a picture of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think thinking of ourselves as, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be like a tiny agency, but we really operate yeah. like one. Yeah. And I shouldn't say I don't want to be it because I think that's exactly who we are. And yeah. it just, you know, trying to 
come to terms with your identity and say, yes, all right, man, we really function as this. You know, do I have a fine art practice? Well, somewhere in here, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will yeah. do a painting and do a mural for myself. But, you know, it really becomes, you know, just creative placemaking. And, yeah, gosh, it's, it's so weird yeah. to talk about it like that because you yeah. don't want to, you want to stay like, oh, we're just so art driven and we're really creative. But, man, we're creative in a space where, you know, we're given corporate brands and standards yeah. that we could kind of push in our own direction and, you know, maybe say, hey, let's do this this way. And people are listening. Yeah. And so yeah, to yeah. have the ears of They're those. hungry for it. Yeah, and then they have the ears to kind of help make some decisions about like, well, what if we did this? Or now nah, let's rearrange this. I think that feels good for us to know yeah. that we can kind of, you know, have that influence. But it's interesting, and and I hope I can get this out of my brain. Mm-hmm. You, since the beginning, have had, I mean, you described it as like one foot in the artist scene, one foot in the hip-hop scene. Mm-hmm. Then hopscotch to one foot in the business scene and one foot in the in the corporate, you know, civic engagements, you know, whatever else. Like, I, I, it seems clear to me, you're really damn well positioned to have that congruence of those different yeah. scenes, to use your word. And like, never before in the history of corporate America has the need for brands been stronger to be relevant, be good storytellers, mm-hmm. be good stewards of their communities be visually appealing and engaging and open have walls in the basement of the damn airmark building at Kaufman to have their employees feel happy to be at work right yeah. like you, you've you've hit that strategically sure mm-hmm. and like it's cool that those factors have like um you've 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 uh ridden that wave in a really beautiful way that is like thank you Really cool, man. It's really cool. It yeah. seems really cl- clear to me. Check a lot of boxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're not just checking boxes. We're like scribbling on the page, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, you know, you're bringing to life what maybe I'm not seeing in my own story is that I've been doing this. I was doing this in 2002, in 99. You know, I was marketing myself as a graffiti artist. I wasn't thinking of it like that. But that's what it turned into, you know? And so that story of the kid putting up, you know, freedom of speech posters or, you know, who was like the B stickers in the 90s is not much different than yeah. branding for, you know, sports teams and eyewear brands now. Yeah. It's just the evolution of it, which is fun to see, you know? Um, I talk about a lot of the, the synergies between sports, business, and the yeah. creative world and how cool it was to say, you know, I'm working with Community America, a big business, with a sports brand like the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, and then they're hiring a small business like myself, you know, to put up a giant Mahomes mural and yeah. to tell, you know, Patrick's story and MVP life right there. Yeah. I think that's really cool, you know. And there's, man, it's grown to be really B2B, and that's what we have focused on. You know, small businesses say like, you know, Ruby Jeans Juicery, shout out to Chris Good you know, working with some of his original store concepts, you know, and then to other bigger businesses that have, you know, worked with us and hired us and said, hey, we'd love you to, you know, kind of transform this area for us. You know, that was, it, it's meant a lot to kind of have that responsibility and to be seen to, you know, say, oh yeah, we, you could really make a difference here and transform this, this space. It's been really, you know, 
gosh, an honor to have the opportunity to do that. So yeah. I can't lose sight of it. So I think that's, yeah, yeah you're, you're yeah. mentioning something that, you know, I need to think more about too. No, man, of course it, it's a, uh, it, yeah, it takes outside perspective sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that feels really clear is like, yeah, man, like if, of course, in many ways, it's like, of course, this is what you're doing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, like, of course, this is what you're doing. Um, what's the, you mentioned Mahomes uh, and Community America. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you said that, my mind instantly went to Union Station last February um, before we knew what the word pandemic really meant in real life, right? Um, Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I used to work there, so there's like these weird emotions going in me of like, well, shit, I could have stuck around if I got a, you know. And but what was cool is, at the time, 15 year old daughter, 13 year old daughter, like Instagram culture, right? Yes. And and now it's now Instagram's like third on their list. TikTok's one, Snapchat's two, <laughs> so Instagram's like bumped down to, into into their like addiction list. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in that moment, it's like. Night before the parade, I think maybe it's a couple nights. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but we go to Union Station. They've got all the backlit lights and the oh, big yeah. Chiefs thing and and the letters. And, yeah, the letters, which are so cool. Yeah, and uh, and they're posting that stuff all over Instagram all night all night long, right? Mm-hmm. And so we get the like pictures of the kids and the whole deal. And then we're leaving Union Station. We no, it was the night before the parade because we stayed in a hotel. Um, we're leaving to go back to the hotel, and our oldest Camden is like, "Hey, we got to go by the Mahomes." mural um mm. and, and she didn't know she didn't frankly shout out to lisa and matt and the crew at community america love you guys <laughs> she didn't know it was a community america thing yeah. she didn't know it was an alehouse thing she knew it was a mahomes mural she's like yeah. we got we got to roll by the mahomes mural while we're close so sure enough we roll out five five my five kids standing in front of this big ass beautiful painting mural and and that picture as you were describing that that picture was in my mind of like that's a moment that those five kids will always remember, and yeah. and and it's a it's a um, it's a it's a treasure for me as a dad to see my five like in a night that was really meaningful to them. Awesome. That's where they wanted to go, man. Yeah. And like, yep, of course that that serves Community America well. That serves Alehouse well. That serves the Chiefs well. That serves Psych Style well. But like, in that in that vein is like the service of a, of a, the, the, the stewardship and the shepherding of a community is for, it's is, for, the, it's for the fans. Yeah, man. I mean, the, the teams aren't anything without the fans. Yeah. And so I think that the Chiefs realize like we need something for the fans to get hype with. They're still realizing it and we're still working on yeah. hype pieces for them. Yeah. And you know, I have to go back and watch my time-lapse. You might be in my time-lapse video. Oh, funny. So that same night or that same yeah. evening, I was nervous about the game. Mm. I needed to kind of, get myself hyped to actually want to watch it. Yeah. I'm superstitious about stuff like that. Huh. Like I was like, I don't want to go to the games. The last two games I went to, they lost. And so I'm like, ah, this isn't a good look. You know, I thought we'd beat the Colts. You know, I, I was really excited for the, yep. the state farm bowl where we played the Packers last yep. year. But, yep. um, so I, I set up a time-lapse, you know, GoPro and sat on the edge of my truck and just, watched people come take pictures in front of the mural for like a f- couple hours, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in the parking lot of a Denver chain <laughs> store, yeah. Yeah. you know, eatery being like, ha, huh. you know, like <laughs> let's do this. And man, I was really taken back by how many people recognized me. 
Mm. And they're like, hey, this is yours, right? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's not me. It's for y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They come up and talk to me and say what's up. And, you know, I was giving out some cans. And, but I really felt like, wow, man, this is warm and fuzzy seeing yeah. all that happen. And yeah. so it was good to see that people were creating um, long-lasting memories for yeah, them right. and their family and also just really enjoying the moment. Because yeah. it's like sometimes yeah. we just got to appreciate that moment of like we're really hype right now. Tomorrow might not be so hype. And it turned out yeah. to be that, yes, following that hype. Yeah. <laughs> got even hyper. <laughs> yeah, we got really hype. And then, you know, man, it hit and we, you know, Maybe some of the Chiefs fans are just like, you know, at least we have, you know, our team right now. Maybe some parts of life aren't going so well. You know, I looked at yeah, man. Mondays at the hospital following a win. Oh, just people walking. Uh, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, yeah, you caught that path. After a loss, oh, I don't know what, the, you know, and people live and die with it. Yeah. Breathe it. Yeah. And so that, that Monday following the win. It's just heads high. Energy's different. Energy's man. different. Yeah. When did you quit that job? I think I retired. <laughs> uh, November of 18. 18, okay. Yeah. Okay. And what it, was that like for you? Um, it, it was time. Yeah. Um, I kind of outlasted a lot of people there. Um, sadly to say outlived mm. a lot of people who worked there too. And... I was, well, just practically, I was making way more money painting murals than I was yeah. working there. Yeah. So it became the a... Scale, the scales tipped. My side hustle became my full-time job. My full-time job just became my health insurance and my mortgage yeah. payment. Yeah. And that's what it covered. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I lost my truck in a parking lot, parking garage. What do you mean you lost it? Exactly. <laughs> I park in what I think is... Level two, section four. And I go back to get my truck because I'm going to a site visit to talk to a client. And I, I can't find my truck. My truck is a, you know, half a ton red thing made of steel and psych stickers. And I can't find it. And so I call in Tina and I'm like, she's the admin. I'm like, Tina, did someone tow my truck out of the P5 lot? She's like, they couldn't do that. I was like, hey. For an hour, I looked for that truck, and then I found it completely where I didn't remember parking it, mm. and that's when I knew you're doing mm. the most, <laughs> mm -hmm. too, 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 too much, mm -hmm. and you need to focus solely on your art career. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, in serious brain <laughs> scatter world, yeah. and that was the tipping point for me. Yeah. Because what I would do is I would set up some projects. And then I would, you know, at work, and then I would go on site visits and talk to clients. And I would come back to work, and I would do a little work, and then in the evenings I would, you know, do the designs. And so, you know, I was juggling those two careers, and it was woefully oh, un unsustainable yeah. mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> lost the truck. I lost the side truck. And <laughs> but I think in the <laughs> it, your story is not everyone's story, um, but in the experience, it seems like most. This is too general of a statement. Uh, what, what I'm trying to say is, like, mm -hmm. there's some real beauty in, in the, the, the way you built your today reality mm -hmm. was patient and was, like, smart and slow wise. Burn, yeah. It was a slow burn. <laughs> and and you, were, you were a 17-year overnight success, right? Like, <laughs> it took 17 years at that job for you yeah. to just stay, stay faithful, stay showing up, keep doing the thing, keep, 
keep being, yeah, keep slow burning. And I think there's this such this instinct to like, oh man, entrepreneurship is like crazy and you jump out of the plane and hope the parachute opens up. It's like, man, could do that. So would you jump out of the plane with, you know, your bootleg parachute or would you, that you'd made in four years or would you spend 17 years making sure that the harness is rigged correctly, that the, the finest silks yeah. are, you know, stitched into the lining of that parachute. And then, hey, why not put a couple extra parachutes there just if that other two fail? Yeah. I think that's how that metaphor really plays out mm-hmm. is that, you know, I realized that when I went to a bank and I said, you know, I need $10,000 to make, you know, some more improvements to my art career. And they're like, great, how much money do you have at the end of the month left over? And I went and I said, well, actually... I owe people at the end of the month every year. It's like, well, yeah, you don't have any money. And I was like, oh, my gosh, debt reduction. That's got to be the first thing I do. And so to take a super practical approach to just how do you live debt-free has freed me to be as creative as I want to be. And to the ability now where, you know, maybe say no to some things. You know, that's what's crazy about it. You know, still learning how to do that. Yeah, me too. But, um, yeah, that parachute... It definitely was loved and nurtured, you know, over awesome. years. And it, you know, and I, I'm so glad that I didn't try to do that because I, I would have went solo in like 07, 08, and I would have been screwed. Yep. Totally. Yep. Yep. Well said, man. Yeah, it's it's interesting as I'm, you know, have flipped over that 40-year-old 40, 40 mountaintop mm-hmm. where it's like, man, I'm much more interested in decades than years now. It's like, who... Who who am I going to be at fifty? Who am I going to be at eighty? Yeah, who's going to be in my life? Look, looking back, you know, God willing, I'm still kicking it around then. But like, mm-hmm. um, the the years are like, man, they literally just they just vanish. It's like who who who? What are we going to be when we're seventy five? Yeah, um, man, that's good. Hey, what's the? We'll, we'll wrap because I could talk to you all day long. Yeah. Um, probably an impossible question to answer, but all right, as go. you survey. Like the next five to ten. Let's talk. Let's talk about the decade. As you survey the next decade, um, what is your your business and what does your life look like? I need some sleep. Yeah, me somehow too. some sleep falls in there. Yeah, me too. But I, I don't know about a direction, but I know of like a feeling, you huh. know. So I want to feel fulfilled hmm. in the work I do. You know, and I'm always looking for the next, you know, opportunity that's five years down, whether it's mm. an increased, you know, market in sports branding and collaboration, mm. which is something we do really good now. You're uh, killing it at that now. Like, you are <laughs> so good at that now. It's been fun. Yeah. And, you know, people don't think that the arts has a place in sports. I mean, I don't know. Maybe people do think, and someone yeah. just told me that, and I've taken it around with it. <laughs> um, here, here's where I actually know where I want to go is international. And why? Because we all need to stay connected and we all want to be connected and we're more alike than we are different. And the arts have a great way of connecting people coast to coast. I'm talking about west coast of America, east coast of Africa. I'm talking about legit exchange between creative people, different continents, different you know, cities, different cultures. And I learned a lot painting in Jamaica. I might look like a Jamaican. I'm not a Jamaican, <laughs> you know? 
at the end, those Rastas were like, Rasta, Rasta, respect. And I was humbled that they would, you know, allow me to at least shake their hand like the lion claw. Like, this is how you show respect. And I painted a mural there with a group of students from Suwanee, Tennessee, and for 10 days and was given to their community something they could use for their tourism. Um, and I, so saw cool. the, I saw the impact of that. And I was like, you know, we got to keep making these connections. And so, you know, Kansas City has a lot of sister cities. Arusha, Tanzania is one of them. You know, there's a lot of opportunity to connect with these places. Mm. Bring artists here. Mm. Go to these places. I'm willing this into this. So I'm glad you asked me. Because this is really what is on my deck, mm. is bringing international artists. They don't have to be internationally famous artists. But they can have an impact if they come and do a project here in Kansas City for a month. Now, yes, that means that I get to go somewhere else yeah. and do something yeah. else, too. Um, and we were starting this process in March. You know, when the pandemic hit, Holly and I were supposed to be in Morocco. We probably still would be pretty much just, you know, Bedouins now if we yeah. <laughs> were there. We yeah, right. just had a whole new life. Like, sorry, we're just Yeah, stuck. we're going to post up here. Yeah, we're just well, stuck in the Sahara. Yeah. yeah. You know, and... We met um, a group of, you know, young entrepreneurs in the hip-hop creative scene um, from Casablanca, from uh, Spain, oh. Belgium, France. And they were all doing different aspects of hip-hop, whether it was dance, emceeing. Mm. Community engagement was a huge part of it. Mm. Giving kids an opportunity to be creative and dance and then, you know, beatbox battles, you know? It's like awesome. Moroccan beatbox battles. Like, what? Dude, jealous. So I look at these opportunities and I'm like, man, there's there's ways that Kansas City can connect it. And there's ways that I can connect through hip hop, through the arts, you know, through Africa, Europe, whatever, around the world. And, you know, I don't need to do like, you know, a mural in every country and all over, but looking for those creative, important connections that you know really brings some powerful impact to those locations and then allow me to see a, a broader perspective i want to be educated through my own art i want my art to teach me things i didn't know so send me to a place in which i have to experience you know african culture you know as an american you know african culture is not you know we're called african americans but we understand that you know the black america experience is not quite mm. of the true african we need to understand Africa for what it is and from a first hands-on perspective, not that what we've kind of learned about. Or heard, the, yeah. 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 So those are, those are things that I'm interested in and want to be able to do and want to have an impact and then, you know, and learn and grow in those ways. It's beautiful. For sure. It's yeah. beautiful. I uh, appreciate yeah. you answering the question. Yeah. Um, you were prepped because you're a good, you're a, you're a thorough, thoughtful fella. Um, so you know how we end our our show. Yes. Same, same five questions. Yeah. Um, so let's do it. So what's the last book that you read or listened to? Oh, yeah. You can listen to books now. <laughs> That's kind of my only thing. Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful, a Beautiful Struggle. Mm. I read that sitting on my aunt and uncle's couch in Oregon on a like a self-imposed sabbatical. They called them psych quests. That's yeah. awesome. So the last side quest I was on a few years ago, I sat and, you know, read that book. Mm. And uh, I could smell, like, the dusty pages of his father's, you know, study. 
and compared those to my dad's like stacks of newspapers and things like that, you know, coming from Baltimore and me coming from Brooklyn, there's a little bit of a connection from that urban style. Um, but I visually, I felt, you know, connected to that book, cool. talking about his dad and how much I look up to my dad and for what he was always on the phone, covered in papers, being like, you should check this out, read this, you know. So that was a good read for me. That's cool. It brought me together with some of my own thoughts. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? Oh, man. So afraid of what, you know? Gosh, it's afraid of no. So if I wasn't afraid to say no, I might have a couple less things to do and a little bit more clarity on what I'm doing with one or two projects instead of scrambling to finish them all. Mm -hmm. um, and Me so I, I think it's about that, the fear of losing an opportunity. But those opportunities aren't really lost, just deferred. Yeah. Or they're paid forward to someone else who really needs those. And I think I'm learning to tell clients, you know what, here's the artist for you. You should work with this guy or this girl. She's perfect for your job. She'll do a great job. And I'm still building that network of people that I recommend. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's important for me to say is like, I need, you know, if I recommend you, you got to come through. You got to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I think that that's also a, okay, that takes a lot of strength yeah. to say like, yeah. you know, cause you want to gobble it all up. Cause I'm constantly hoarding and saving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Capital for that yeah. next drop, for that next yeah. 08, 09, you yeah. know, because yeah. I've seen it and I'm scared of it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've got to be prepared. And so, yeah. but is taking on all these tiny jobs going to get you there? And I'm telling myself this so that I could listen to this podcast <laughs> in five years and be like, you're still not doing still, what you said. Right. <laughs> but, it, but man, I'm going through the same thing. And it's like, uh, uh, it's actually for me, I don't know about for you, it's, it's actually a, a sign of, a scarcity and fearful mentality to, to hoard and gobble yeah. and to take the, the, and it's not this for me, at least this generous, abundant, trusting, yeah. expectant, like, no, the right thing for our business is to maybe say no to the one-off thing that we, well, so when you're feasting so damn hard, man, like we're eating out here, you're feasting. You're just, you're not seeing, I guess what the meal tomorrow is. Mm -hmm. You're looking at that table in front of you. And you're just like, oh, yeah, more stuffing, more mac and cheese. Oh, yeah, I got, I got some room in there to throw that in there. <laughs> you really don't. But then we make room. Like, yeah, there are right. some things that someone could call me up like, oh, can you do this? And it's like, ah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, and I'm just like. Yep. And it's done. But, gosh, that, that 10 minutes or two hours really took me to do that, I guess, could have been put somewhere else. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't it's know hard, how, man. how that relates to your fear, but that is one thing that I am working on. Yeah. I appreciate it. I love it. Um, I probably know the answer to this. I'm looking at it. What is your favorite T-shirt? Uh, right now, it is the Future Ain't What It Used To Be T, uh, part of the original 09 Psychonomics line. Love it. <laughs> um, can people buy that, like, legit? Yeah, this is the third or fourth pressing of this. Okay. But you can like, get it on your website or whatever? Yes. Okay. I want I want to buy one. I'm I want to give those as gifts, too. That's really Yeah, really they've been ass. great gifts. And Dude, I kind of... My T-shirt company is super low-key. Like, you got to know somebody who knows somebody to know that you can click this link. All right, I need to find the link. Yeah. However, I need to find the link. I can't tell you about it yet because <laughs> I don't want to be overloaded. But <laughs> okay. You know, we had a big hope to take our studio office and, you know, do merchandise on First Fridays. And it's yeah. just not been attainable this year. This year, yeah, sure. But, you know, we're working on ideas of really transforming our space and, you know, pop-ups. You That's know, cool. our own words of doing those. Uh, but the shirt is, uh, yeah, the feature at what it used to be. That's a Yogi Berra-ism. 
So it's once again a baseball reference to the you know the question of like is the future what you thought it would be? You know, mm. yes, no, mm. can it change? Totally, you know. And so I loved creating shirts that created conversations. So yeah. some shirts said you know psych on it, but it looked like a Nike logo. Some shirts said tell them why you mad, son. And I'm like, what? <laughs> why are you mad? You know, or other ones said rise. Huh. You know, so I love these shirts that were very much, you know, conversations. Mm-hmm. And so the one I'm wearing today is that red, black, red, black, and green featuring what it used to be. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, what's your favorite place on earth? You know, it's a great question. And I guess it's where I'm wanted. You know, like if you feel loved, you feel like, all right, I'm supposed to be here. I walked up to the building today and the lady was like, hey, you're going to paint a mural here? I have no idea who this is. I must be where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Somebody knows me, you know? So whatever that commercialist my honks, deep, deep, and somebody knows us. Like, yes, that's kind of how I feel in some places. Yeah. And, you know, it's just good to be welcomed, you know? I, I think about the places I've been, and that's great, but I think more about where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I don't know what my favorite place is yet because I haven't seen it yet. I know that might sound like a cop-out answer. Oh, man. These kind of like, you know, things. But, you know, as long as me and Holly are there together doing something, I think we're on the right place. She says, when you see a black cat, it's not bad luck. They're just looking out for you and huh. you're supposed to be there somewhere in her life. I've adopted so many of her, um, like thoughts yeah. and habits and just how couples do, but to see a black cat somewhere now doesn't make me think of bad luck. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm supposed to be picking up my mail right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, supposed, it's supposed to make me pay attention. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love it. I saw that exchange. I didn't hear what she said, mm-hmm. uh, but I could tell the the feeling you exuded was like, "Oh man, she knows me." I was like, "What was that about?" Oh, that was yeah. cool. So yeah, that's fun. All right, man. Last one. When yeah. it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? I guess the visual impact for the space, public spaces. Um, I don't guess. I know. Yeah. And you know, we discussed this a little bit about you know that transformation of public space and. You know, can you create something that lasts for years that impacts someone's life? And that creates those moments where people, um, you know, remember forever. And you know what? They might not even know that I did those things. And that's okay. One of the, one of the places where, you know, these type of artworks live for the longest, I think, is schools. Yeah. And, you know, the work that we do in public schools and private schools, colleges too, um, man, they really could be there for 25, 30 years. And, you know, say, you know, generations of alumni will come back and be like, oh, I used to stand next to this mural that was painted in the spring of 2020. You know, it's crumbling and faded, but still here, you know. And so I think that legacy through the visual transformation of spaces, you know, I think that's a, a good way to be remembered by and hopefully, you know, somewhat worldwide. But it doesn't need to be like, is massive. I'd stay humble about it, but you know, I want to go paint other places. But yeah. I understand that still, it's you know, you know, public art can be temporary like that, yeah. and to you know, understand the the, the fleetingness of it, and, but also the process. So, is there an experience to be had with the participation of the community working on you know a project like that? No, totally. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, in my world, it's under the design guidance of a professional artist. But yeah, right, know, right. Yeah, that type of legacy, I think, is exactly what I want to be known for. That's great. Yeah. Brooklyn born, Casey raised. Exactly. That's it, man. Um, where can people follow along with your journey? Yeah. So 
your kids, you know, might not find me because I'm on Instagram, not TikTok <laughs> or Snapchat. But um, Psych Style on Instagram is where I point people to to follow my story. I'm not a, you know, social influencer in the way that I'm like, hey, guys, check me out. But occasionally there's a post about a time lapse and, you know, can drop. So it's S-I-K-E-S-T-Y-L-E. And, you know, I'm engaged as much as I can be running around doing stuff. But, you know, come follow along. And uh, let's see, I brought you something too. Wait, wait. I just wanted to get this sound on camera. Or let's go. <laughs> let's go. There it is. I just wanted that sound on, you know, on on the I microphone. Get a picture of that before yeah. we. That's amazing. So it's like the. Uh, yeah, the rattle there. <laughs> anyway, so that's so good. This is a. Uh, I feel honored. A wrapped can um, in the sporting colors. Um, it's like branded. And when I finish a mural, I leave these cans for fans to collect. And so when I go to a place, do a cool podcast like this, boom. Here's That's a so kick-ass. Yeah. That's so kick-ass. You're a good man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for allowing me to come and tell some stories. Uh, man, I wish we had like five more hours. Cause I think we, we'll just have to do it again. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, we'll check in again. Yes, sir. Where are you at on your international travels? Hold me accountable. That's it. Thank That's you. it. Thanks, Syke. You're the man. I appreciate it. As always, thank you for listening. Your attention is super valuable, so thank you for giving it to us. If you're a fan of the show, please go rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, when we get to share another great conversation with you, have a great week and let your life tell a meaningful story.